I was I was getting getting information from all over the place during that that commercial break. Uh, Nick Bosa is the newest, highest-paid defensive player in NFL history by a wide margin. $34 million a year on his deal. That's breaking news. We'll dive into what that really means as far as, uh, you know, impact on the market for defensive ends. <clears throat> Brian Burns and the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, what the Niners are doing, what other teams could learn from what the Niners are doing, and much, much more. Uh, the Chiefs are listing Travis Kelsey as questionable for tomorrow night. Of course. So there's a chance he's going to play. Doubtful usually means uh-uh. Probable usually means uh-huh. Questionable is kind of right there That's in the middle. 50-50. So there's a chance to quote Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber. Um, Adam Thielen limited with an ankle injury today. Not great for the wide receiving core. Uh, <laughs> to go along with the hamstring for DJ Chark, the back for LaVisca Chenault, and their newly traded for wide receiver, Amir Smith-Marset, also limited with an ankle injury. Back for Terrace Marshall. It was a concussion for Chenault. I'm all over the place. There's too General many injuries. Hospital. There's <laughs> too many injuries to keep track of in the wide receiver. I know. That's so, the problem. So, you know what? I don't think I've ever said this. Let's get to the easy-to-track nature of the chaotic ACC. Yes. Uh, because that's easier than tracking the injuries in the wide receiver room of the, the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the ACC... Wide open. What parody slash everybody's maybe catching up to the top couple teams slash they're coming back maybe mm-hmm. a little bit to the pack. And it's even better that it's happening in the era of no divisions, right? This is the kind of the, the first year where there's not the coastal in the Atlantic. So I think what happens is, right, have you ever seen the the I think it's a like an eighth grade science experiment on uh what dilution does, where you can take like a one one glass of water filled with I don't know red food coloring and another glass of water that's crystal clear. You dump the red food coloring into the the crystal clear and suddenly it's all red. I think the coastal took their chaos and and when they mixed in with the Atlantic and became one big happy no division conference, the chaos just went all over the place to all of them. Because even if you agree, even if you believe as many do that Florida State is the team to beat and they are a kind of at the moment, maybe a, a you know a length ahead of of everybody in the horse race that is the ACC. Who are they going to play in the ACC championship game? Right, because it's no longer the best team from the other division. It is whoever the second best team in the ACC is. That's who Florida State's playing in the the if they make it right. Big if there's a lot of football to play. Major if. Uh, but but I'm saying even like even if you think there's one certainty in the ACC, if that's your belief, the second place is is wide open. Duke, Louisville, Miami, NC State, UNC, Wake Forest, Clemson could be any of them, and I wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, that's outside of the realm of possibility. Basically, like Boston College and Syracuse. Yeah. If, if it were one of them, I might be surprised. Other than that, I got you know I could I could talk myself into it. And the thing is, with the no divisions, right, there's nobody having that, oh, we're blocked by having Clemson in our division and they're in the middle of a run. It's like, okay, fine, finish second. Oh, we're blocked by Florida State. Fine, if you think that's true, finish second, see them in the ACC championship game. And the arrow is up on a lot of these teams. They're getting better for a lot of these teams. It's frustrating because I don't think everybody recognizes what actually happened in week one for the ACC. 
I was talking about it with with Dennis uh, off air earlier today. Sports Center actually had a graphic, okay, like uh, right the lower third, the thing that comes across the the text that comes across the bottom of your screen watching Sports Center. I wrote it down word for word so I could present it to you. College football week one recap. That's normal. Nothing wrong with that. Checks out. All right, fine. I see what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. The the colon and then it says. ACC struggles in week one. And I went, how? Who? How do you come to that conclusion? Then the fine, the subtitle underneath it, smaller print, Boston College, Virginia, Clemson, and Georgia Tech all lost. Let's just talk. What? About, let's just talk about this for a second. That's why the ACC struggled in week one, because those four teams lost. Um, Boston College was picked to be... 12th in the conference, and they lost in overtime to Northern Illinois. That's a loss you don't want on your record. I'll admit it. That's one that the ACC has to wear like a black eye. Virginia was picked to finish dead last in the Atlantic Coast Conference. They lost to Tennessee. Yeah. A top 15 team in the country. Oh, it's so bad for the ACC that their worst picked team can't beat a top 15 team in the country. Clemson lost. To another team in the ACC. So as bad of a loss as that was, if you think it's a bad loss, it's equally as good of a win for Duke. So at best, they cancel each other out. Mm -hmm. Georgia Tech, they lost. Oh, that's so terrible. Who they lose? Louisville, another ACC team. Yep. (laughs) Who was picked to be better than Georgia Tech. So how are you going to knock them for losing to a team? How are you going to knock the ACC for an ACC team losing to another ACC team that was ahead of the the loser in the, the standings? The fact of the matter is the ACC had an unbelievable week one. Five straight days of winning games in prime time. Two of them handy, handily victor. They, they kind of handled the SEC teams. Yeah. And I don't know why I said kind of. They handled SEC teams. They took care of business. And not Vanderbilt, right? This wasn't Kentucky on a down year. South Carolina, and fifth-ranked LSU. Multiple score losses to ACC teams. How in the world are you going to say they they struggled as a conference? They thrived as a conference. And because of that, just about all of the teams have a puncher's chance, puncher's chance at getting to the ACC championship game. And once you get to any kind of postseason game, as everybody knows that's ever played a sport, to quote Kevin Garnett after the Celtics won a title 15 years ago or whatever it was, anything is possible. The ACC is wide open for the first time in a while. And I'm talking about, like, I could see multiple different teams winning it all. I could see half the league playing in the ACC championship game. This is an exciting time for sports. Do you remember? I think it was four straight years in the NBA. The Warriors and Cavs played in the finals. It was. Do you know what was probably the most exciting time in recent NBA history? When it was obvious that those two teams weren't going back the fifth year. Because then it was like, oh, right? There's a there's a vacant spot at the top of the hill. Who could it be? Well, guess what? After watching what Duke did to Clemson on Monday, Clemson just vacated a spot at the top of the hill. Who is going to fill it? Who is going to? The ACC is 
wide open. And that's an that's an opportunity for everybody. I, I, I will go forever saying this. In college football, every team starts out with, with the same goal, to win your conference championship. That's what you're trying to do. Now, once you win your conference championship, you can start looking at your resume and you can see if you belong in the college football playoff or uh, this bowl, that bowl, the New Year's Six Bowl. That's that's all extra. Win your conference championship. And I don't know if we've had this many teams with a realistic shot at doing that in a while. So I'm here for the ACC this year. Very excited to be covering the ACC this year. Very excited to be talking about the teams we talk about here on the drive this year. Very excited. Which, by the way, they're all at home this weekend. Yeah. Like everyone in North Carolina is at home this weekend. State, Wake, Carolina, Duke, ECU. I mean, apps at, at Carolina. Yeah, so that, that counts. Central is at A&T. Count it. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're counting it. It's going to be a, a really fun weekend and a really fun year to cover the ACC and the teams we cover. We have a lot to hit and quit today. Uh, starting with... We have a new highest-paid defensive player in NFL history. Nick Bosa held out through most of training camp for the 49ers, which means he was being fined $50,000 a day. I don't think he'll miss it. Yeah. Five years, $170 million. $122 million guaranteed. Adam Schefter's words, not mine. It'll make him the highest-paid defensive player in history by a wide margin. I guess he clearly did not need to wait for Brian Burns to sign a deal for him to sign one. I do want to talk about how that deal impacts Brian Burns and how that deal should inform the Panthers on what they're able to do here. Okay. First of all, price just went up. Okay? Because if you think about Brian, Brian Burns is not a market-setting defensive end. No. He's not the number one. So he gets some percentage of what the highest paid guys are going to get, right? If he gets 80% of what the highest paid edge rusher in the league gets, well, guess what? 100% just went up because Nick Bosa just reset the market. So that means 80% is now higher than it was 10 minutes ago. So so Brian Burns, the price just went up. Um, and that may have been what Brian Burns was waiting for. That may have been why Brian Burns was at training camp this whole time and practicing and going through joint practices and then over the last week or so decided to start withholding his services and holding in because he was going well I'm just going to wait till Nick Bosa kind of gets the action started and then I'll react to that so now he's in that situation here's where I think the Panthers need to learn a bit from the Niners now the Niners are in an extreme situation because they're playing a quarterback on a rookie deal who is a seventh round pick and the Panthers are paying a quarterback who was the number one overall pick, so their deals aren't exactly the same. But when you have a quarterback on a rookie contract, you can and should pay and maybe even overpay to keep your best players at other positions. So let me explain. Let me illustrate this for you in words. Talk to me. The 49ers, as of their agreement with Nick Bosa, now have the highest paid defensive end in the league, Nick Bosa. They also have the highest paid running back in the league in Christian McCaffrey. They also have the highest paid fullback in the league, Kyle Huszczyk. They also have the third highest paid tight end in the league, George Kittle. They also have the third highest paid left tackle in the league, 
Trent Williams. They also have the third highest paid linebacker in the league, Fred Warner. They also have the sixth highest paid defensive tackle in the league, Javon Hargrave. They also have the seventh highest paid wide receiver in the league, Debo Samuel. They have a top 10 highest paid player at almost every single position. Meanwhile, their quarterback, Brock Purdy, least among all NFL starters, 934K this year. Yeah. So that that is the logic. When you're paying your quarterback less because you have them on what I call rent control, you have them on a rookie contract, you can look to other places in your roster and make sure you have the best of the best. Now, you can't do it as egregiously as that because you have Bryce Young because Bryce Young's at least making millions. Right, He's the number one overall pick. He's not making chicken scratch, but he's not making $45 million a year like most starting quarterbacks. So take that money and take care of the best players at other positions. Enter Brian Burns. That's what you do when you have a quarterback on a rookie contract. Because the moment, hopefully, fingers crossed, you have to pay Bryce Young $45 million, $50 million a year, You're going to have to start slowly taking the other highest paid players on your team and saying, we can't afford you. But that that moment's not now. The Chiefs are going through that, right? Tyreek Hill, you're gone. Chris Jones, you're holding out for more money. We're going to have to hold this one out to maybe week eight. We're going to have to figure something out here. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr., you want a ton of money? There's the Bengals. Like, you're going to have to start sending players away. But... The Panthers aren't the Panthers are a long way from that. Pay Brian Burns the money. Now don't pay him $34 million a year like the, the Niners just gave Bosa. But I'll tell you this, if you would have gotten it done last week, probably wouldn't have to pay him as much. Because now his agents are going, ooh, the market just went up. Yep. Right? Not not as nice, like a, a nicer house than ours, but a house on the same block. Just went for way more than we were expecting. So we're going to up our price a bit. You talk about, okay, 80% of that $34 million yeah. a year. That's $27.2 million a year, which, okay, that sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, 27 up near – 27 would be third, a little less, third highest paid defensive end in the league. Okay. Behind two Boses and a Watt. Behind – so basically, if you're going to be one of the top three highest-paid defensive ends in the league, you have to come from a family that brings like brothers along with you. Yeah. But uh, he could be the highest-paid non-brother of another like, <laughs> Pro Bowl edge rusher in the in the league, as far as edge rushers go. It'd be between Joey Bosa and Miles Garrett. That feels about where maybe he should slot in, knowing those guys are probably a bit more valuable, a bit more proven, but they also signed their deals in a different market. And again, you have the money because you're paying Bryce Young a rookie contract. Mm-hmm. Just like the Niners can have the money to have every highest paid player because they're paying Brock Purdy nothing. Not that $934,000 a year is nothing. But in the NFL, it's nothing. It's all relative. Let's quit that. Let's hit this. By the way, Travis Kelsey listed as questionable for tomorrow. Hyper extended his knee yesterday during practice. Uh, they're still waiting for some of the swelling to go down. At least I know they were yesterday to get a full MRI uh, to see if there's actually any true structural dam- damage. But it looks like the on-field tests say ACL intact, which is a good thing to hear if you're a Chiefs fan. Um, 
if he's not 100%, I do not play him tomorrow. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> it's week one. Your your goal is long-term. Like, you could probably still beat the Lions without Travis Kelsey. Like, let's be honest here. And if you don't, I'm still okay with it. Exactly. I'm not saying, like, punt the game, don't try to win. Oh, but I'm saying to win. Travis Kelsey healthy down the stretch is worth – or even if it's like there's a 20% chance Travis Kelsey is 20% better chance Travis Kelsey is healthy down the stretch, it's kind of worth a 20% less chance of winning mm-hmm. week one. It, it's it's a sliding scale here. It's a risk-reward thing. I, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards we're not even going to try it in warm-ups, Travis. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can do some rehab before the game, get a, and get that's about in. it. Exactly, and that's it. And you can hang out on the sideline. I'm, I'm sure he wants to play. I mean, one thing we got to keep in mind with these guys is that they want to play. And I'm, I'll even throw, Travis Kelsey has not missed a game for injury since his rookie season. Yeah, he's missed games for being so good as a team that the starters don't play in week 17 or 18, mm-hmm. depending on how many games play that year. Uh, he's like sat out the game because you have the one seed locked up, and he's missed a game for a COVID positive. That's it since yeah. his rookie year, and he's in his. I would say between his early and mid-30s. He's, like, right on the cusp. He's been in the league a long time. He doesn't miss games often. And I can tell you right now, tight end is not a position where it's like you're not hurt. He plays through owies, right? He he, he wants oh, yeah. to be out there. He plays with braces on. He plays with, with you know, knowing, hey, this one's going to hurt today. He He's a guy that plays. So he's going to want to be out there. I think this is where Andy Reid needs to have one of those, like, come here, Travis, conversations. Where he said, come here, Travis. You're not playing today. We have Patrick Mahomes, which is a luxury for us. Let him go do his thing and give us a chance to win this game. We need you when when we're playing games that have a little bit higher stakes. Because remember, what was it? Was it last year or was it two years ago when the, the Chiefs started two and three? There was a year where they started two, yeah, two and three. Ago. And, man, did they write people off. And then they won, like, you know, nine of their next ten, and everything was right in the world. Uh, that's kind of what I'm looking at here. Like, you can – you're the Chiefs. You're Travis Kelsey. Your quarterback's Patrick Mahomes. Nobody should be writing you off if you lose the first game of the year. However, no one should be writing you off if Travis Kelsey's hurt for a long period of time, but it becomes a more real conversation. So, uh, Travis Kelsey, I'm not playing you Thursday night. I'm with you. I'm just not doing 